Welcome to Voices in Hyperspace, the podcast where a group of sci-fi enthusiasts come together to discuss science fiction in all forms of media. Our ongoing mission is to review the hit 90s TV show, Babylon 5. This week, we are taking a look at Season 1, Episode 14, TKO. I'm Legendary Black Lion. I'm Ella Siren. I'm Nita Painter. Hey, it's Sunday. If you haven't noticed, we're pretty, you know, we're pretty into this episode. And I don't know how y'all felt about this episode. It definitely was a filler. It was more of a filler than the than the last episode. And um, to me, there's not a whole, whole lot to talk about. There's a little bit of character development. Um, but with, with literally with just one character one main character so um we'll get into it my initial thought this is a filler episode that tries to retell the story of blood sport and kickboxer but in space um there's this nine early 90s um trend where everybody had to have a martial arts episode um or a fight episode, right? I think they did a fight episode on Family Matters. They did a fight episode on Step by Step. Um, everybody's a great martial artist all of a sudden. And so um, every TV show had to do one. Uh, I will say for like sci-fi television, um, Star Trek did an amazing job of maintaining their horrible fight skills on screen. <laughs> <laughs> the only character who had like a martial art was Worf. And uh, if you recall, anytime he tried to fight, he got whooped badly. Like, so Star Trek remains undefeated. They didn't have to make, I mean, what they did have like that weird martial art that he practiced. Um, mm-hmm. And he taught classes and he would spar, but he wasn't a good fighter. He got beat up every episode. Yeah. And he didn't get to learn it from other Klingons. Like how did he learn it from like the database or something? Yeah, he was he was (laughs) YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Probably explains why he wasn't too good at it. The only time he really looked like really good fighting was when he was just going at um board with the bat lift <laughs> yeah that's the only time that he could like could win fights is by stabbing people <laughs> I, I i know i talk about like the different 90s tropes and all that stuff but um a couple of things that stood out so the fighting on all these shows is just terrible right um watching garibaldi try to throw a punch is painful watching like any of these characters like actually fight because fight choreography has come such a long way in the last 30 years (laughs) so going back a lot of the stuff just does not age it doesn't age well at all and you know i guess we can't blame the actors that much because none of these folks are trained fighters they learn how to fight you know to stage fight from very old methods also think about the type of martial arts films that came out in the early 90s everything was like you know kind of like in the the 80s it was like secret techniques and 
Uh, you basically had to poorly mimic Bruce Lee. Um, flail your arms around uselessly and all that stuff. You didn't get a whole lot of like practical because it had to look flashy on screen. So it's whatever. Right. But, and a lot of it was. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. A lot of it seemed um, more <clears throat> fantasy. It's like the mystical arts, blah, blah, blah. So if I swing around, I'm obviously doing something that you don't understand that I made you um, lose somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it was around that time, especially when, like, especially the, the geeks went online and um, moaned and complained, as they typically do, about things like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. And then they actually started to get... Um, advisors that were real martial artists to help them blend the theater fighting with the actual fighting so it can look good <laughs> I mean I feel like that, that that also like there are phases of that as well because remember um, the late 90s we had basically uh, kung fu theater fighting, wire fighting. Uh, everybody could do the Matrix uh, bends and slow mo kicks, and you know, just re like unnecessary mm -hmm. slow mo. Yeah, the fantasy, uh, yeah. fantasy fighting. <laughs> right, and then, <laughs> and then, um, you know, in the early aughts, they started to incorporate like MMA. So you got somebody that would like take you down full mount ground and pound for like two punches and then just suddenly get reversed <laughs> and it's like um yeah the fight looks familiar but it's still unrealistic you know um but i feel like there's always like phases of that like let's make it look sport realistic let's make it look fantastical let's make it look like a clumsy street fight and then we go back to like let's make it mystical arts um, right. And then it kind of like in this episode. So, okay, we'll talk about it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. the episode starts off basically um, Garibaldi. What they're they're at? Um, they're right outside of the um, whatever the wherever the shuttles dock. Right, the docking bay. Um, Y'all notice how Garibaldi constantly has his back turned to somebody about to stab him <laughs> this is like the third time the third time he's out he's out you know he's this hard-boiled cop but he never watches his own he never covers his own back it's always somebody else um yeah that's each press his team to have his thing. <clears throat> That's what's up. Yeah, but he's and they don't. They, <laughs> but he's uh, he's never with his team though. He's he was like the only security guy there, uh, stopping that robbery, or the uh, burglary, right? Mm -hmm. And then his friend, um, oh shoot, I don't even have his name. Hold on, uh, Smith. Smith. Bromance. Oh, you said it was a bromance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? It does come across pretty, pretty bromancy. Very bromantic. Bromantic. <laughs> yeah. As soon as he gets there, you gotta take him out to dinner. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. The that they were giving each other when he asked. Garibaldi, like, well, I heard stuff about you. 
and Garibaldi said, did you believe it? And he said every word, like, the every word. look in his eye was like, yo, okay. <laughs> his name is Walker Smith. That's what it is. And, you know, as much as we talk trash about the society in the future, they are they seem to be um, pretty progressive on um, romantic relationships. So, sure. yeah. All right. So I know I'm older than a couple of y'all. Uh, the guy that plays Walker Smith reminds me of the guy that played Jax in the Mortal Kombat movie. Oh. Um, the very first one. So Jax doesn't fight in the first Mortal Kombat movie. He's chasing Kano and then he gets left. Yeah. But, but that's who Walker reminded me of. I don't know if they're the same actor and I'm not going to look it up. I wouldn't be surprised though. But uh, he's kind of like uh, the stereotypical black guy fighter that they they had in the 90s. Yep. And look at that box fade he got. <laughs> that was an interesting uh, hair uh, hair style for back then. Because I think right around the... Um, yeah, it was big in the early 90s. And then it was gone pretty shortly. Like, mm-hmm. by 93, 94, the people weren't doing it anymore. Yeah. Not too many, anyway. What did y'all think about his story? So he shows up on Babylon 5 to participate in this alien uh, martial arts, this alien underground fight or whatever, right? What did y'all think of his reason for doing that? Ego, ego. (laughs) Macho man. (laughs) Be a macho man. (laughs) Like all his his whole personality is I've got to fight. They took away my ability to fight, so I gotta find somewhere else to fight. It reminded me of a conversation I had earlier with someone. I think it was on my live. And um, I was telling kids long a time ago not to discount like some of the things that they want to do growing up that's impractical or ta- told by their parents or teachers that are impractical because you could find other things that you're good at. Like he could have went into sports medicine or training or something. Just because you took your license to be in a fight doesn't mean the world has ended for you. It reminds me of how corrupt fighting has always been, right? So he was offered a bribe to throw a fight. He refused. And then they basically framed him for, uh, they said, performance enhancements. Basically, he suddenly popped a hot steroid test or whatever, you know. PEDs, whatever. Um, uh, people out there listening. So I have a, um, I'm in, I'm inactive right now, but I, you know, I have a career in uh, professional mixed martial arts. Been around, had had an extensive um, amateur career, and I've been around the fight game for a while. I've seen some things. Um, it's it's corrupt, top to bottom, left to right. Um, you can get by with doing, you know, just staying in your lane, keeping your nose clean, but, um, you know, there, there's, there's always somebody trying to angle to make extra money somewhere. Fighters get into it. Uh, there was a big controversy not too long ago with a UFC fighter who basically he got a, um, deal with one of the online betting, um, companies, I think it's like. Well, I'm not going to say the names of them because they're not they don't sponsor us and I don't care. But this fighter, he was giving out like all of these um, these bets. And he eventually got into the point where he was betting against 
his own fighters, fighters that he was training, fighters oh. that he was cornering. Like there was a guy that he was cornering who had an injury and he was like, yeah, bet against this guy, bet against this guy. And so everybody did. And it was, it was like very noticeable, very public. Um, and there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of outside the corruption. There's a lot of stuff that's unfair that happens. The fighter had to take the fight because he was poor. He was going to get at least $50,000 to to be in the fight. Um, and then he also bet against himself because he knew, like, I'm injured. I'm going to lose this thing. So he's trying to make a little extra money on the side. So there's a whole lot of, like, corruption going on. Um, with mixed martial arts, if you are ridiculously lucky, then you can make, you know, the million-dollar contracts. But most fighters aren't getting paid that they're made they're they i'm like with my day job i'm getting paid just about as much as a lot of fighters in the ufc which is crazy to think about um i don't know much about like the pay for boxing but what i do understand is boxing they get paid more but there's a lot more corruption in boxing there's like fifty thousand organizations so let's just take that background and let's like exaggerate it for boxing in space <laughs> so you got alien bookies which apparently yeah you saw that um this whole muay thai thing um like i said this sounds like blood sport uh the blood sport movie uh it's a story about frank dukes which most people think is a fake story um, I'm not going to go too much in the background of that because we're already half, we're already 30 minutes into this episode, <laughs> but most people think it's fake, but the story is, um, Frank participated in a more underground competition called the, um, Kumite, which is the blood sport. Um, only American to do so. And, um, he, uh, won the thing knocking out 300 some odd people. Uh, so that you know, it, it's it's a difficult story to believe. I have heard some background on it, and I'm like, you know what? I I don't know what to think about it. But anyway, that's what's going on here. There is another story happening in this in this show. Um, what is going on with Ivanova? <laughs> yeah, I liked her story, but I also like to dislike it. Um, <laughs> okay. I think I think it's the it's the <clears throat> whole concept of if you don't mourn the way that we expect you to mourn, then you haven't actually mourned. Uh, if you haven't like fully forgiven someone who you've already let go during their lifetime, then um, you're not doing the right thing. It's so much. I'm going to hold on to this tradition, despite it's more of the whole. I'm going to hold on to tradition despite the fact that we have so much more access to knowledge. That was my first initial idea, like the rabbi coming. And I know he means well and everything. Then he goes behind her back to ask if she can have leave to do this thing that she already said she won't do it. Like, no one respected <laughs> how she wanted to mourn herself. Like, except for um, Michael. <laughs> right. Right, the yeah, one that time. really freaked me out when she was reading her little book. I didn't read the title, but I imagined that it was a romantic novel. The way she had the lights all dim and reading by candlelight, that is not good for your eyes, by the way. And when the rabbi went to talk to her boss, 
I was pissed. I'm like, nope, he did not. Like, you don't know why I said no to wanting to do this. And how dare you go, you know, ask for my time off. I could be planning to have that time off for who knows what. And then I was doubly infuriated when the captain or whatever his name is granted her the time off without her even asking for it be like who who is you to determine when and how i'm gonna take my time off i'm gonna grieve this process like mel said it was just disgusting all the way around <laughs> so would y'all say that this seemed out of character for um for sinclair because mm -hmm. remember in the um episode where the family was they they were gonna murder their own child <laughs> <laughs> remember he's like i can't get involved and then suddenly he's like yeah I, like not only will i get involved but yeah you know what she can have the time off i don't have to talk to her or whatever yeah i think maybe because he's her <clears throat> authority he has that that authority to say that but it's also you know her like, when does she not express, when does she have a hard time expressing herself? Like, she just throws out, like, oh, I slept well, but uh, sleeping won't the problem is getting up. Like, she can, she clearly expresses herself and her feelings enough to say what she wants to say. Right. So if this was something that she didn't want to bring to you, then obviously it was something she didn't want to bring to you. <laughs> right. And, and he, he didn't kick the clue. <laughs> nope. And we established early on, like, Ivanova wants to be sad. She has a pessimistic view on things, and she just, you know, keeps her expectations low so she doesn't, like, hurt herself. Now, we're not saying that that's a healthy way to deal with life, but it's Ivanova, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Rabbi Kozlov and Commander Sinclair, they basically took her agency away, which... You know, to, to, to tell this story specifically, which, okay, I got to say, again, it's weird that they wanted to pick this back up so far into the season. What do you think was being accomplished with this story about Ivanova? I think it, for me, because they do, they, they, they have a very good track record of paralleling the two um, stories. So he would. So um, Walker was supposed to try to overcome the ending of his boxing career into something new. Whereas with Vonaba, they're trying to force her into mourning her father so that she can move on with her life, even though she already has and nobody's listening. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I just thought it was weird. There's like, oh, yeah, here's this thing that we briefly mentioned about Ivanova. We even showed her father dying. Yes, she has trauma from all of that. Uh, she has trauma from her mother being a telepath and being, you know, and dying from the drugs. But no, let's go back to her father. Let, let's, let's talk about her dad because that's important for some reason. <laughs> it's also another trend, like, especially when you consider Sinclair and the way he was um, basically trying to inadvertently kill himself. Because he had, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I keep remembering that, and it's just funny. Is is not funny, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah, like he hadn't, he hadn't overcame that trauma, and uh, until he started to confront the trauma, and I think 
the story writers wanted to say that she it's a good thing that she confronts her trauma within the confines of her culture um to to they they saw it as a good thing like yes you do, they are showing it as a good thing i'm seeing it as a bad thing because i understand that everyone grieves in different ways but they're and then um the creator of the show um of babylon 5 he was from Russia, and he was his family was Jewish. Part of his family oh, was Jewish. Oh, that's so this right. Is, Thank every you. time she shows up, this is like, I'm just going to sit there and for no reason tell you that I'm a, a Russian Jew. Like, that's that, that's how I feel. It's like, you're just throwing that in there for no reason. Like, in my stories, when I throw in Spanish words for no reason, like, why do I have to keep telling people I'm part Cuban? I don't know why. But that, that's what I think he's doing. <laughs> okay. No, that actually makes sense. That makes sense. So Ivanova can can somewhat act as the POV character for J. Michael Straczynski. Because mm-hmm. I was like, because, okay, watching this, okay, I understand, like, okay, they want to make sure that she goes through this ritual. She's mourning. Uh, what's the, the, the ritual is called? Shiva? Okay. So Rabbi Kozlov, he is a clear fish out of water character. And, um, I didn't want to say this until you said that, but he definitely comes across as being more of a archetype or stereotype versus like a fully formed character. And if that was done on purpose, then that makes sense. If, if it's coming from J. Michael Straczynski's perspective, so he's probably putting 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 together a bunch of characters that he uh, grew up with, you know, peop, you know, personalities he grew up with. Um, but this guy literally looks like a 20th century person dropped in the middle of the future. He looks bewildered by technology. I'm like, is, is, did he come fresh off of a farm? to the space station right. you know <laughs> and it's 200 years in the future from now so yeah. <laughs> why is it like oh well you can write me or uh what's the thing tell us something like we got phones 200 years like y'all you can send years before you you can send messages from to like distant parts of the galaxy and you're talking about <laughs> you're talking about sending me a uh or a letter like yeah um yeah I th- my, my weird perspective that I just got on that is like for his character to be where he is now in age and stuff he would be the great grandchild of Generation Alpha nice so how are you not familiar with technology <laughs> like he should know how to FaceTime he should know how to do all of that stuff well no that should be old to him that's old school yeah, yeah that's that's older than a rotary phone for him yeah you have to use your hands. That's a baby's toy. Sorry, y'all. Back to the future reference. Um, but yeah, he 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 came across as a fish out of water character. And again, if this is J. Michael Straczynski kind of channeling, channeling like, okay, the rabbis that I grew up with were these old, out of touch people, then I need to have the rabbi that I write be an old, out of touch person in space. And that actually is pretty hilarious. So, um, we are back talking about the Mutai. 
so all right, let me ask y'all this question. You have this a this brutal alien fight circuit, and it is fully formed and functioning on the space station. Um do you think that this is a significant source of income for the station? Because those events look like they were sold out. Yeah. And for Garibaldi to know about it, know that three P he watched three people die in it and your your security and you're just like Oh, you got tickets? Okay, I'll go. Like, <laughs> like there was no, I need to find out who this is or what they're doing and, and see if there's anything shady. And he knows that the fighting um, circuit is, is shady and there's probably something. He's just like, oh, it's just some brutal alien thing. Like, that. I think a different writer, even though there's all that, all of the, the Jewish culture um, slightly forced into the story, um, I don't feel like it should have been. I felt like they could have literally found a good way to put it in there. It, but this way, it's so forced. But, like, even though that's in there with um, um, the, the creator's ideas, the whole boxing thing didn't sound... It sounded like it was another art writer writing that. It may have been. Thinking they about... Go ahead. You know, they, they had tickets, so... Yeah. <laughs> it must be legal. You're not allowed to sell tickets without the proper permit. All right, let's 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 kind of think about this. So, you're on a space station, five mile long space station, rotating sections for artificial gravity, yada yada yada. <clears throat> the primary purpose for this station is diplomacy. On this this diplomacy space station, you have casinos, you got adult entertainment, you got fights. People getting stabbed, officers getting shot, poor people with no income or jobs or living down below, alien attacks, war lines coming about to blow up the station. Like, there's a lot going on in this station. And it makes me wonder, like, okay, so we know all this stuff is going on. Who's making the decisions to let this stuff keep going on? The politicians. It's clearly Earth, right? Right. So, what would be the benefit of having... <laughs> what, what would be the benefit of having this alien fight circuit where people can die on the space station for diplomacy? I kind of think because they need to let... It, it, it was brought up before. Like we, we can't interfere with other people's cultures. No matter what we that was with the the one where the kid was gonna die, um, if that's their culture, we can't like directly interfere because that would uh, mess with diplomatic um, stuff. So if the the cultures are allowed to live on that station, they need to be able to do the things that that culture does. And most of the time, it's harmless. <clears throat> but in this case, we get to see one where it is actually killing people. Yeah, because Garibaldi, he's very involved in like, you know, trying to, um, you know, get, you know, uh, stamped down on the drug trade and uh, weapons trade and all that, you know, contraband. But like one like, uh, again, fighting is a very shady industry, um, especially if people can die in your fight circuit. Um, 
there ha- there has to been some uh, some corruption to allow that. Uh, oh, and I wanted to I wanted to add one more thing: the aliens that are involved with this mut- mutai, you never see them again. They they're they're only in the episode this epi- the this one episode. Um, so I mean, do they have an ambassador, or are they just like, hey, we're just gonna occupy this space and we're just gonna do this thing, or? Okay, just thinking this out loud. Maybe maybe the fight circuit is part of some cultural ritualistic um expression cuz remember a few episodes ago they were doing like the uh the exchange as far as like the different religions, so maybe this has something to do with it. Yeah. So then that would make sense. It is a it's a ritual. The fight is a ritual. Yes, and um, that the, they very much copied um, the Thailand and Japan to, to create. Yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Those I, are the I exact told, places that. They... <laughs> <laughs> like they even just named it more like like every time he said it, I'm like Muay Thai. Like, right, already exists on Earth. Like, right, y'all didn't make up anything. The, the the master's hairstyle was basically a samurai haircut. Like <laughs> they were wearing like uh, kimonos. Uh-huh. And, yeah. gi- and gi, they yep. were gi. Mm-hmm. Like they, they just went on. They just went to um, Kung Fu um, website. <laughs> Copy Not paste. website. It's um, no. They had a catalog back then because I used to look at it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kung yep. Fu um, library um, catalog. Yep. That's where they got their um, outfits from. And they just put some <laughs> little patches on them. And yep. <laughs> but even where the patches are, that's. Yep. They just copy that whole thing but um the thing with garibaldi reminds me of a saying um red if you through through rose covered glasses um all red flags just look like flags wow so it may just be garibaldi's perception with the bromance and the fighting he loves fighting he's already shown that he's bad at it but he he has this interest and gets excited about it so he most definitely, when it comes, he's got a blind spot there because of personal reasons, because he's got on those rose-covered glasses. You know what? You just said something that I'm connecting to. Apparently, in sci-fi, the chief of security always gets beat, beat up <laughs> uh, or killed. So <laughs> uh, Garibaldi on more than one occasion gets his ass handed to him in this show. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, if yeah. security could, <clears throat> if security was that good at securing the ship, no plots would ever happen other than like, you know, interpersonal drama. I mean, there, there are ways to have security be good, but also have the chief security like be a danger. But the, <laughs> oh. his, his crew is literally nowhere ever. Like <laughs> the only place they showed up is to put down the strike, and that was it. So then that tells you what they're all about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if y'all haven't noticed, this episode is there's not much to this episode. It is it is a filler episode. Um, it's melodramatic on one end. Well, it's melodramatic on both ends because uh, Walker Smith basically he intends to enter the Muay Thai. He insults the Mutado. The Mutado is like, nah, go back to Earth. He comes back, shows respect. He's like, okay, you can train. 
He's like, ah, okay. Now that you, now that we've seen you train, you can fight. He gets a championship fight for whatever reason. Uh, he gets into the fight, and they fight to a draw. Yeah. So it goes from being kickboxer to Rocky. Yeah. And guess and what? A, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. He has. He ends up getting that fight because of the mysterious stranger that gives him some, gives him some information. <laughs> Just comes out of the corner like, hey, I know how you can get this. But they're not telling you. Oh, Which is yeah, very stereo- that's right. I forgot about that. Of a lot of the little martial arts movies that came out in the nineties. Yeah, like a secret way for you to get in. Back then, it was mm-hmm. like in the in the other shows, it was like how an American can get into this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one is like how an alien, uh, not just any alien, but a human, an Earthling, can get into it. Because they were saying like humans, this isn't for humans. Like this ain't for you. Mm-hmm. Which would have been an interesting thing to explore because they could have been like, look, humans be putting a business, putting their nose in everybody else's business. We're on the space station. Humans are everywhere. Leave us alone. Let us have our fight. And they could have just had a, you know, a little bit of a story development with that because think about it. Which of the aliens trust the humans? None of them. None of them. And that most of the aliens don't like the humans at all. Um, and, and, you know, they, they could have t- connected all of that to uh, the end of the Earth-Minbari War and how humans almost got wiped out and people don't respect humans. But no, it's just like, no, here's a mysterious way you can get into the fight. <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't... Yeah, oh, well, you already said that. It is always like, because when you put it that way, Earth is kind of like the, the supremacy there. And yeah. in a lot of those old, like, 90s martial arts movies, it was an Asian thing, and this little white boy wants to come join, and like, no, you can't join, you know? Right, yeah, <laughs> so, right, right. But I'm superior, so I should get the join, right? Let me give me a chance to prove myself. Mm-hmm. It's the same plot as all the mother. They were just they were just on the bandwagon. Yeah, it, it was a trend. Trends go longer back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not like on TikTok where they like here for a week and they go away. Right back then, it was like decades long trends. <laughs> all right. uh before we move along, any thoughts from Nita or Sunday? I know we're there's not a ton to talk about. Well, we're kind of monopolizing it, but any thoughts there for you too? Nah, y'all got it. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Walker Smith's fighting? Oh, it was like, cow. Okay, your turn. All right. Cow. Okay, your turn. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They were very good sharers of the punching. It was very much a pro wrestling style test of strength type fight. Okay. Um, now yeah. We're tired. We're yep. We're tired. And then the guy gets up. He's like, "It is done." You know, very dramatically. And um, it's like uh, he gained the respect of the Mutado and plus like everybody down there. Um, I guess he's the only How? human that can take a punch. 
I don't know. <laughs> it was really strange because the dude was like, human, never, you will never, rah, rah, rah. Actually, you know what you did with me? Like, right. that was fast. That de-escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yep. So, back to Ivanova, wrapping that storyline up. Basically, she just kind of chases uh, Rabbi Kozlov off the ship. She's like, I'm not going to do it. My father's been trying to control my life all his life, and now he's dead. He's still doing the same thing. Like, that's kind of wild, right? <laughs> like, I, I mean, we get that the parents were, her parents were, um, well, her mother really wasn't all there and you know she was she was being drugged most of her life and her father like what was this like okay and i, I apologize because i missed all of this what was her relationship with her father he was not very um he wasn't very loving towards her right right like uh, when her mother started taking the drugs to control her psychic abilities he be I guess he got depressed about it and withdrew drew, withdrew from his children. Mm. Oh, so that's she, awful. He stopped. Yeah. So she's like, you weren't being a father. You were there, but you weren't actually being a father, so why should I care? Now, when she lost her brother, who I guess maybe was more of a, a family to her than her father was, there was no reason to stay, so she joined Earth Corps. And um, that... That, that's how I feel like it reminds me of like adult children that like go non-contact with their parents and people are like but that's your parent and and you should mend the, the whatever blah 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 despite whatever they did and it's like why can't I have peace just because this person shares genetics with me <laughs> mm. yeah so I think Sunny and I were having a conversation about this uh, and my sister. So we were talking about how uh, community is really important, right? And I guess that's what the purpose of having Rabbi Kozlov as part of the story. He's, you know, he said, <clears throat> excuse me, he told Ivanova that her father said um, he was entrusted with her legacy. Um, he was a family friend. And all this. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to perform my duties. I'm going to be the family friend. I'm going to make sure that she uh, participates in this ritual, whatever. But she was estranged from her father. Um, and the thing is, just because you are genetically related to someone doesn't mean that they are the capital Le capital F family. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you're related, but... Maybe they just don't engage in your life in a way that makes you feel like you're connected to them in a real way. Mm -hmm. And that can be traumatizing, especially in the situation that Ivanova's family was in. She's she lost her mother. Her father withdraws. Her family's her brother. And then her family friend is Rabbi Kozlov. Like what? Mm -hmm. Like, you all have, like, aunties, uncles, cousins, you know, people who are closer to you than, like, your actual parents sometimes, right? Or you've, you've heard of people who have those relationships, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I imagine excuse me. I imagine that's kind of what the situation is. But the way it's it's like the things that Ivanova wanted, she wanted her mother, basically. Uh and she didn't get it. So she developed to not need anybody. And people are like, well, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? You have all of these people around you. And it's like, yeah, but those people are not connected to me. They don't know my struggles. They don't know my pain. They don't know how to help me heal. And so that can be very frustrating to deal with. Um, um, No, you you go ahead. When you said that, it reminded me of uh, the fact that she grew up without with her mother, losing her mother, basically losing her father, even though he was still there, and losing her brother. She does, she grew up with a lot of not having anyone to go to. So she's used to not going to anybody. She's not comfortable. And even the only person who's respected that is Garibaldi. He was like, hey, if you want to talk, I'm here. He gave her the option. He was the only one so far who has actually respected her. And even going back to that dude that she dated, there was yeah. a, a Shady Creek. It's like she's that, that, like that's what she's used to getting affection from, even though it's uncomfortable. The people who were the most affectionate to her, or the closest to her, weren't affected, weren't affectionate. So there's no way for her to actually know what that is if she hasn't experienced it, really. Yeah, or have only been hurt from it. This reminds me of attachment theory. Um, This is something that I've been learning about lately, and it is hilarious that this is becoming relevant in this this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So Ivanova is clearly, um, she has an avoidant attachment style. Um, She is processing her emotions internally, and her external expression is more melancholy, but she doesn't since she she hasn't had anyone to help her fulfill her needs um externally she just turned inward to do it herself Mm -hmm. um she does have an interesting for like um i guess you could say like um like sibling like relationship with garibaldi he recognizes it which he also um I don't know yet at this point. I don't know. But as far as like the way the character is written, I'm not sure if he what his attachment style is. Uh, But with Ivanova, she's clearly like, no, I'm good because I I can take care of myself, you know. Okay, that is a wonderful observation, babe, because she did try to double down into her avoidance by um uh, lashing out um, at the rabbi um, when she found out that he had went to her superior officer and requested that time off. And then when the what is her superior officer's name? Um, Sinclair. 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 Yes. When he was like almost ordering her 
take the time off, she rejected that and tried to put herself back into her work um, and was not wanting to deal with the, the grief and things. Even though I really liked what Mel said earlier, that who knows how she's dealing with it. Uh, I think Daniana's right, she's dealing with it by not experiencing or feeling those emotions. Um, I also think that there would have been a really great opportunity, you know, for someone to offer her, like, space events. Um, we've been learning about that, too, like, given um, a safe space for her to express those emotions and things, because they are in, like, a constant state of, like, emergency and panic a lot of times with there being terrorists and then there's um, assassins like and kidnappers and, and, right. <laughs> so they're all just like wound super tight and and I am not sure but are there even counselors on Babylon 5 no <laughs> everyone needs therapy in here no therapist there's no, no therapist. one considers there being therapist but we got a psychic say that again i was like and we got sinclair everybody's telling him their business yeah it's like the one character who could actually help them with anything is most likely ambassador kosh and he's just an ass (laughs) you have a hole in your mind He, he oh, yeah he, he thinks all the humans are beneath him and he's not gonna do anything to actually be helpful yet so help me ambassador gosh uh, uh no can't. help humans us humans are beyond help <laughs> like then why are you here <laughs> no. to tell you that humans suck the I think he, I think he's watching yeah he's watching yeah He's watching. In fact, you know what? I think it would be more fun to talk about like the status of the characters than this actual episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ambassador Kosh is watching. He's been watching. Um, Who is also watching is uh, Ambassador Delin because she has a standing order. Remember, she has a standing order (laughs) to murder Sinclair if he remembers. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if he goes through uh, <clears throat> therapy and they bring back his memories, then she has to kill him. Yep. Yep. Talk about having toxic people around you. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. Sinclair, it, he does remember. He has the help of Garibaldi to investigate what he remembers. He also remembers that Delenn was at least present in the Grey Council. Um, so they, you know, they, they are set up for friction in the future. Um, Garibaldi fell off the wagon, but he's back on because, you know, it's a little early in the series. (laughs) Um, we are, we having a very slow turn to become a sympathetic character with, um, ambassador Jakar. Uh, we've learned a lot about him and his um, his motivations. He still comes across like 
through his deeds, he comes across still as a villain. But you're real. You're realizing like he's trying to do anything and everything to help his people. Um, they have a s- somewhat slightly sympathetic villain in uh, Ambassador Malari. He honestly, I don't find him very sympathetic. I just think that he's like interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the telepath. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, you you know something is going on with her because remember the weird stuff when she worked for Kosh. Mm-hmm. Um. She was in. She was. Kosh was doing things to her, um, and apparently, whatever he was doing to her will come in handy later. Let's see. Talia. Talia is the blonde. Talia. Okay. Then Lita. Okay. Talia is the blonde. Talia Winter, and then Lita Alexander. Remember, she was in the pilot, the pilot. and okay. she got reassigned. Uh. Psychor is basically. Oh yeah, that's right, the doctor. Which Doctor Franklin, um, he was in this episode, right? No. No. Mm-mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't in at all. Doctor Franklin uh, had his ego hurt when the uh, alien family murdered their own child, and he thought he was like the he was he was the man as far as like yeah, I can, can I can. I could perform this surgery and save lives. And then they were like, nope, you murdered our kid. You, you turned our kid into a demon person. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> oh my God. That's what they did. Y- yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> and they sent him on this great journey. We didn't think, have I, any of the aliens. Yeah, not really. There uh, were other aliens, but we had our, most of our humans. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Um, so that's kind of this episode in the long run. Basically, it wraps up. Um, Smith gets respected by the Mutai, apparently. So I guess we can assume the happy ending is he's like able to somehow get his fight career back. Ivanova sits Shiva and mourns her father, and everyone is happy and satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. All in all, nothing happens in this episode to progress the story at no. all. Nothing it, at all. I found it interesting. Like, from my perspective, it was like, okay, so <clears throat> Monica was, her point was to mourn her father. That was the point of her story. And yeah. for Smith, his point was to get retribution for not being able to fight because it, his, his not being able to fight wasn't fair. So him being able to fight again was the what the goal was. And neither one of these needed to be the goal. Neither one of these were the healthy goal. Right. Like, there was nothing healthy about going from one shady boxing to another shady martial arts. And it wasn't healthy about forcing her to, you know, go back in and be a part of what her father wanted her to be a part of when she didn't feel like she was, she was welcomed into that. She's being pushed into it, but not welcome. I was seeing a connection with, like, the diplomatic efforts of the species to come together for the Muay Thai organization to accept the human race into its fold. Mm. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, what but, brought them together was watching a person get beat to a pulp. Yeah. Culturally, like you got one human that got accepted into this one little alien sector thingy. But in the when it looks like because it's a side story, it doesn't fit the fit, fix the diplomatic aspect of the whole. Even though there are a bunch of tiny little moving parts in the whole when it comes to Babylon Five. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you could say because they're not showing any discrimination against how violent. Well, you know what? That does come in hand. That that comes into play later in the series. Babylon 5 will respect your culture regardless of how violent it plays out. Like or letting your child die. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's because they're trying to tell some stories that are very relevant to 90s uh, news um, stories, which there are varying degrees of like actually being successful in, you know, telling those stories but that's just a, a problem with like 90s television in general because one mm, well, well we'll we'll talk about it when we get there I'm, i don't want to derail this episode anymore <laughs> <laughs> okay uh any final thoughts no that's good for me great <laughs> i said it was my final thought cool okay so we're gonna go ahead and get out of here um, so this episode, again, like I said, it was more of a filler episode. Um, we found a lot of other things to talk about, <laughs> um, which is okay. This happens from time to time, especially when you have a, a season, uh, count of 22 episodes, you're going to get a couple of episodes of nothing happening. Um, I will say there was an actual like as far as like the writing it was decent um wasn't the most interesting story being told but uh the writing has been consistent for the most part um before we get out of here you all have anything going on uh that we should be uh be aware of let our let our listeners know um you can join the facebook group Voices in Hyperspace Facebook group and continue the conversation there. I'm going to try to um, post the questions that we talk about on here. On Sweet. The group so that we can facilitate the conversation. <laughs> Great idea. Very good idea. Um, next week, as of this recording next week, is the Thanksgiving weekend. For those of you who are planning to celebrate, anything going on y'all got happening? Um, I, who was it? I think it was Sunday who was like, you know, a great way to repurpose the six foot skeletons. (laughs) Yes. Use them for Thanksgiving decorations, you know, to commemorate all the, the genocide and things. Um, (laughs) I, I will definitely be with the fam uh because there is one particular family member who is not quite there yet um a 
according to my my offspring, this is the first Thanksgiving we've ever had, and she's six. So. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. Every other time, like we're gonna go to your grandfather's house to have dinner. Okay. Oh. You know? Okay, I understand. Yeah. So we're not. I mean, we're not doing it because it's Thanksgiving, but we are doing it because it's Thanksgiving. If that makes sense. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you all for joining us for this episode of Voices in Hyperspace. Be sure to follow us um, on our YouTube as well to continue the conversation. Remember, just like Mel said, we got the Facebook. You can find us on all of the different streaming, the major streaming platforms. Um, I did get a message that Google Podcast is going to be discontinued at the beginning of the year, and it's going to be folded into YouTube Music. So do with that information as you will. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> but, you know, you can still follow us on uh, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, and a bunch of other little things out there. Whatever you like. Um, oh, yeah. Also, follow our TikTok voice at Voices in Hyperspace. Uh, because of the break that I have, I plan on being a little bit more uh, productive with that. So hopefully we get some some more content going out on that. <laughs> uh, you can follow Mel's TikTok. Yep. At Mel Asylum or Mel's Rebellion. Same. Yep. Um, you can follow me at Legendary Black Lion on all platforms, um, but mainly TikTok and Instagram. And yeah. it, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm on things. I'm 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 on things. Like I have an account. Um, and there are some things that I post to, but if you want to engage with me, you gotta go to Facebook. Uh, gotcha. Or, or you can just show up to Belmont Park. There's some cool winter things happening down by the beach. So yeah, because winter in San Diego is not winter in the wilderness. Totally <laughs> different. Yes. So. Sunday cannot be found. Oh, stop looking. Mm -hmm. all right well that's it for this episode we'll catch y'all next time y'all be safe bye be reckless be reckless stay dangerous <laughs>